Hi, I'm Jablani Maiberg. And I'm Isaac Pinto. We are associate pastors at Central Baptist Church. And welcome to our Theology Alive podcast, where we look to engage theology in the church, carried out in the culture, using a Christian worldview. Welcome once again to our Theology Alive podcast. We are on episode number three. Um, it's it's been a, a good journey, and um, I'm glad that we've had uh, we've had so many people with us. Um, am I wrong? You are wrong, Jabu. It's been so good, but it's number four. Yeah. Number four. Episode number four, and this is a special one because we got a special guest with us. Oh man, we should be considered veterans by now. Right. So so I've been preparing this introduction for a week now, Isaac. Okay, um, let's hear it. And and I've been thinking about it and look, I'm, I'm tempted to use this. I'm going to share it with the folks and I'm going to give you a normal introduction. Okay. So <laughs> I'm tempted to introduce our guests like they introduce those athletes that mm. you see on TV. So this is how it goes. All right. This afternoon, we introduce you to the five-time preacher or preachers champion the two-time world preacher of the year weighing in at 230 pounds the senior pastor of central baptist church pastor charles dickiver but i figured i figured i won't do that oh um, man that's uh, a good uh, introduction brother it is, yeah. it is. I, I think he definitely fits all the titles i think so um, but we'll keep it simple uh we are happy to introduce our guest today it is our senior pastor pastor charles de Kivit. hello hey jabu and ozzy good to be here a little bit of a uh, uh what would you call it hyperbole in your introduction <laughs> <laughs> Oh. No, we, we are we are excited for this episode. Um, we did mention that we're going to go first three. We're going to chat about uh, worldview. Um, and then on our fourth episode, we're going to go into an interview where we interview um, a pastor, we interview an elder um, who, who has a special trait. Um, yeah. And we do think um, that in, in Pastor Charles, we do have um, something special there. So I, I think this is... Um, exciting, even though Pastor Charles is a man of many talents. Uh, but Jabu, tell us what are we talking about uh, today specifically? What topic are we chatting about and picking on Pastor Charles' brain? So today we'll be chatting about preaching. Um, if, if anyone has been to Central, uh, they would know that we are blessed to have a blessed preacher. We have a preacher who is honest to the scriptures, honest to uh, preaching God's word. Um, in fact, I, I have a, a quote here from Martin Lord Jones. Martin Lord Jones. It's your time now. This afternoon. But this is what he says it says, there is one golden rule, one absolute demand, and that is honesty. You have, you've got to be honest with your text. Mm. I mean by that, that you do not go to a text just to pick out an idea which interests you, then deal with that idea yourself. That is to be dishonest with the text. Mm. Um, and I think yes. today uh, we are blessed to have Pastor Charles with us, who I've said from my time here at Central, he's always been true to the text. Uh, and we believe that is the Spirit of God working through him uh, to bring about truth to the listeners. Mm. Uh, I think it's... It's a, a true blessing from God to this church uh, to, to have Pastor Charles, someone who's faithful to the text, but also someone who dedicated a lot of time and study, uh, even postgraduate studying on preaching specifically. You don't get a lot of 
doctorates on, on that topic. Uh, but I think it's great. Let's dig in, brother. So I think just for, for introduction, Pastor Charles, you mind telling us a bit about, about yourself? Uh, where did you grow up? Um, uh, when, when did you start in the ministry? Did you always have a passion for preaching, for being a pastor? Uh, when did that all start for you? Right. Thank you, Jobin. I was raised in Johannesburg, the south of Johannesburg, from uh, the Rosettenville Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. Probably not known to too many people. And uh, converted to Christ uh, in my standard nine year, grade 11 year at school. And uh, from then on, really had a great interest and inclination to ministry. In, in the early years or soon after my conversion, I went on to study in, in the secular direction. But in the back of my mind, I, I felt, uh, I knew that one day I would want to be uh, in full-time ministry as a pastor. Always had an interest in, in preaching and teaching, uh, involved in youth ministry in, uh, while also in secular work. And really just grew more and more into it as the years unfolded. I've I've heard the story, but I, I'd love to hear hear you share it with our listeners. Where there was a verse that stuck out to you um, when you when you experienced the call um, of God um, upon your life for the ministry. All right, now good uh, question. Well, uh, surprisingly, my first uh, approach to my then pastor, who was my father-in-law. Uh, that I would uh, like to study and prepare for the ministry, he said to my wife and I, Carol and I said, no, don't go until you can't help but go. Mm. That was in 1983, and I just carried on working and developing my career. In fact, I even changed jobs in that process. He then moved on to another church, and and a new pastor came into our church, and he was preaching over a number of years, and, and one day preached a sermon from the book of Ezekiel. Uh, I looked for a man who would stand in the gap on behalf of the land, mm-hmm. and I found none. And the Lord really convicted me, and I felt uh, that was the word that I needed to hear. We responded and resigned from my job, went to Baptist College, and prepared for ministry. That is, that is really, really amazing uh, to see just God operating in, in you, getting uh, you to the place where you are today. So, Pastor Charles, maybe let me ask the question, you know, as a young uh, in, in seminary and learning about theology, uh, and as you were interested in preaching, um, what, what were or who were some of your preaching influences uh, growing up? Yeah. You know, I've often wondered about that. One of the reasons I hesitated uh, even to go into pastoral ministry was because at Rosettenville, and Isaac, you know what a good I know, church that is. I know, yeah. Should I say was? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were always exposed to the best uh, preachers in the South African Baptist context. So I was raised in the context, and only the older people will know this, but uh, Rex Matthew. Mm. And Rex Matthew was known as the South African Charles Spurgeon. And so even to think that anybody could be a preacher like Rex Matthew was Mm. just not possible. So it was an advantage because it was a great role model, but it was a disadvantage because the standard was set so high. And uh, so a lot of exposure to Rex Matthew. He definitely influenced me. My own father-in-law, he was my pastor for uh, 13 or so years. Uh, Paul Jones, uh, real 
pastor's heart, mm. uh, caring for people, and, and my inclination is more task-oriented kind of person, and he has taught me to, to see that people are very, very important. It's not just about standing and preaching, mm. but it's also getting to know people and to love people in, in the journey, in, in, in the service of being the shepherd. So those would be early influences. Back in those days, in the 70s, when I was at high school, there, there were also um, deeper life campaigns that churches used to have. And uh, churches in Johannesburg used to gather together at the Central Methodist Church. And preachers would come from overseas, uh, the U.S. or the U.K., and we would go every night and be exposed to, I guess, who were well-known preachers and mm. uh, I, I really believe that that influenced, influenced my life um, as well. Uh, but there was one early uh, preacher that really influenced me in terms of my theological persuasion. Mm. was a guy by the name of L. Martin. Mm. And I'd already finished at Baptist College, uh, started ministry at the Scottsville Baptist Church, and uh, one of the members there introduced me to L. Martin, and there were uh, cassette tapes. <laughs> And what is that? What is you know, that? You don't know what that is. He started uh, feeding me with uh, cassette tapes. And I remember uh, getting 36 tapes on, on the oh, teaching wow. on sanctification by faith. Sure. But uh, he was, is, I don't know if he's still alive, but a great teacher that influenced me in terms of the importance of doctrinal content. You know, Isaac, actually funny story. When I, when I started at Central... Um, I mean, I came in as a youth worker, so I mean, I thought I would never get a chance, you know, to go up and preach. Um, and I think Pastor Charles um, had just started going through the book of John. Um, so I remember listening in, I was like, wow, you know, this is, this is some really rich, you know, deep theological content. Um, <laughs> and I remember, I remember him coming up to me saying, um, it was, we were headed towards the end of the year, saying, would you like to preach? Yeah. And I remember sitting there saying, I mean, I've, I've sat here Sunday after Sunday listening to you. There's no way um, that I, I would want to preach uh, after you because I'd preach in the evening and he would preach in the morning. Yeah. And I remember being so nervous. I mean, who would want to come and yeah. you know, listen to, to this young, young yeah. man preach? Yeah. But I must say, I've, I've been encouraged to see my own sermons mm. um, improve just from sitting and listening mm. and learning. Um, from Pastor Charles preach and um, even sneaking in some of his trans yeah. transcripts yeah. that you find on the website and just looking at that prep work oh. I think is, has been encouraging to me even as a young preacher. So. You know, la last year, I only started here at Central last year mm. and I'm going to be abundantly honest. I was more scared of preaching when they came to check uh, when the weekend that i came uh -huh. you know for the church to check me out i was more scared of preaching in front of pastor charles than the actual interview <laughs> the interview was like okay <laughs> uh, but no it's been but, a great but you know yeah. when i was a young guy at, in the youth group and still in high school i think it was probably my final year at school uh, our youth pastor uh, got us as young guys to take 10 minutes of a sermon on a sunday night so there was a passage he divided the passage into three, mm. and he gave us each ten minutes. And, and that, mm. in fact, was the very first time I ever preached. Wow. Sure. And, uh, and hopefully learned from there on. But, but I really believe that we ought to give uh, young guys the chance mm. and opportunity to learn and to grow. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So, Pastor Charles, um, how, can you take us through your uh, preparation process, generally, when you preach a sermon? 
Yeah, it, it's developed or evolved maybe over the years uh, where perhaps I could talk about how I do it at the moment. So my, my, my first step is to read the passage a number of times uh, with a pencil in, in my hand and uh, marking things that stick out at me, so whether there's some kind of repetition, some kind of theme that I see following through, uh, what is it that the passage is saying about God? What is it he's saying about us as people? Uh, but reading it again and again and again. And then when I've done that, I actually write the passage out. Uh, just with a pen and, uh, and piece of paper. And, but, but when I write it out, I try and put it into a structure. So as you read it in the Bible, it's just verse by verse. But uh, what, what is the logical flow? What, what is the argument that is coming across in this particular passage? So once I've done that, I, I will then consult uh, any words I'm not sure of. Sometimes an English word is not that clear, or the passage is not that particularly clear, and then I'll consult uh, a lexicon. Or, In fact, what I use these days is I use eSword. I don't know if you guys have yeah, eSword. Yeah. I use eSword just to be sure, you know, what is this verb? What exactly? My Greek is not always as good as it used to be or could be. <laughs> and, uh, and the meaning for words. Once I've done that, uh, I, I, I try and look for a single uh, theme or sentence. And I, I try and answer the question, what is it that God is saying in this passage in a single sentence? Mm. So to give an example, last Sunday, I mean, I really uh, wondered, what is it? You know, there's so much being said about Noah. Uh, you know, if you go from Hebrews 11 back to Genesis, uh, many themes could be followed. But the more I looked at it, the more I said, but hang on, the context is wickedness, and here is a man of righteousness. So that immediately gave the clue to me, well, this is, God is giving us a message of encouragement that in spite of the darkest uh, type of wickedness and unholiness, there is the light of righteousness, which is the gift from God. So mm. that's where I try and land. I try and land on a theme, and, and then I, I I've obviously read. At that point, I try and read others. I read other commentaries. I read what others have said on that particular verse. Um, and then I actually start with a manuscript, uh, and I panel beat it as I unfold it. Mm. And I keep changing that throughout the week. Um, try and follow the logic of, of what I'm trying to get to in the final analysis of that single statement. What is God saying? Uh, my my uh, father-in-law reminded us when we were young Christians and young students and so on, always ask yourself the question, so what? Hmm. So when you're done with preaching, so what? What kind of response uh, is required or demanded from this passage. So that in a nutshell is what I do. It, it varies, you know, from week to week. If I'm doing a series, you do a lot of, I do a lot of preparation and then some weeks it takes longer and then I, I always have a lot more to say than uh, I have time to <laughs> say and so it will spill over to the next week so the preparation would be shorter. Mm. But I usually use my mornings, that's what I try and do in preparation. Um, I'd, I need at least, I think, eight hours to get the sermon in some sort of structure. Mm. And then after that, I just keep going through it and fine-tuning. Mm. Looking, Looking for, for better, better illustration, illustration 
Um, is there a better way I can say it? I write my sermons out in full, word mm. for word. I still do that. I've done that from the beginning. So, so when when would you be done with this? Are you are you looking at most of your work is um, in terms of putting the structure down? Would that be on a Thursday or a Friday and um, Saturday? You done or so by by Thursday I want to be done. Hmm. Well, done in the sense of having my sermon written out. Uh, but then it's still on a A4 Word document. Mm-hmm. So Friday morning, I'll fine-tune it again. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, on Friday morning, I, I, I change it to be an A5 document to put onto my iPad. Uh. And, and, and so then it's, it's basically done. Mm-hmm. But then uh, Saturday, uh, sometime during the day, I'll set time aside where I'll go through this sermon. And you'll notice, if I could show you my iPad, there are always scribbles. So there's some things I still change. And then I do the same thing again Sunday morning. I wake up Sunday morning and I go through my sermon again, maybe leave a sentence out, maybe add something in. Mm. Yeah. Now, now, many might not know this, but um, on a Sunday, Pastor Charles will preach the same sermon twice, um, at 8.30 over at the hill and then 10.30 here at Acadia. Um, in... <laughs> From the drive between the hill and Acadia, how much should you say your, your <laughs> sermon changes? Because you've had time to think it over. But you're missing a big part, Isaac. It's not just time to think over it. My mm-hmm. wife normally gives me a... <laughs> <laughs> You get <laughs> constructive criticism. Yeah, so no, we, we, we normally have some tea at the hill after the sermon. Mm. And most weeks, one or two people, and I won't mention them by name, <laughs> will normally come and tell me how I could have better alliterated my outline oh, wow. <laughs> uh, or make a suggestion about something. Mm-hmm. But, but definitely, I, I have found preaching a sermon a second time quite helpful. Mm. So coming across, it obviously is going through my mind. Um, have I said something I shouldn't have said? Um, you know, is there something I've left out that I could have said? Mm-hmm. And I'm, not, I'm joking about my wife, but my wife has been an amazing part of mm. helping me down through the years. She has had the courage to tell me when I've done stupid things like repeating the same word. Mm-hmm. Uh, or there was a time when I was jumping up and down, you know, with, uh, <laughs> bouncing up and down. And she would say to me, it looked like an absolute jack in the box. You know? <laughs> so, you know, uh, the honesty of Carol... <laughs> And yet the encouragement of her mm. uh, has been a great help to me. And, and I do need to say that, you know, and I guess we can all be or are all guilty of this. There are times in the pulpit when something comes into one's mind and you mm. say it and it's of the spirit. But sometimes I must confess it has come into my mind and it's been of the flesh. Sure. And I shouldn't have said it. Sure. So sure. sadly, sadly that, that does, does happen. happen. Yeah. Mm. Does that happen often to go off script Pastor, with, with you? Not often, not often, um, not off script, but certainly I think as I've preached over the years, I'm not as note bound. I hope I'm not as note bound. I hope it doesn't look that way. There's a lot more freedom. I feel a lot more freedom in my preaching. Yeah. Now, just listening to the extensive work that you put in to your prep um, and even thinking about the degrees that you know, you've acquired, um, would you say that it's imperative um, for a good preacher to have some form of theological training? I think so. Mm. 
whether that's informal training or formal training, but it does need to be. Uh, Spurgeon didn't ever go to uh, theological college, mm. but I mean, he was an exception. I think most of us ordinary preachers uh, need a theological foundation. And in fact, I'd go a step further. We need a theological framework. Mm. The problem I, I have heard in some instances where preacher, a preacher doesn't have a framework, they're kind of all over the place, depending mm. on what topic they're following. But uh, I think we need to have a framework, you know, what is it that uh, helps us understand the, the broader picture of biblical theology? Sure, sure. So what, what was some of the, you, you did your uh, PhD on, on, on preaching, um, and what were some of the, let's say, very insightful things that you got out of, out of that uh, study? The, the reason I started doing postgrad studies was driven from a need. I discovered, I think for most of us, when we enter the ministry, we have um, ideals and dreams about ministry being easy. And for us, it's going to be successful. And uh, uh, I just soon discovered that there are a lot of challenges in ministry. And, and the big challenge that I confront, and, and again and again and again, it hasn't been once, it's been repeatedly, is the usefulness of preaching. So when I came into the ministry, it was the early 90s, and there was a lot of debate in those days about whether uh, the declaration that one does in preaching is an acceptable means of communication in, in the postmodern era. Sure. Why, why don't we sit around the table, people would say, and, and in fact the table shouldn't even have somebody as a chair, we need to sit around a round table so wow. that everybody can put their opinion on the table and uh, conclusions can be drawn. So I started thinking about the usefulness and effectiveness of preaching and, and, and therefore thought, well, I'm a study. Do I really believe that uh, that there ought to be this ongoing heralding of mm. the gospel. Mm. Do we proclaim the word of God? Do we believe this is the word of God, which is like a hammer or fire, or doesn't return to him void? Mm. Or do we go with the cultural pressures and trends? Mm. And so my first uh, thesis that I tackled was on the issue of preaching to a postmodern audience. Sure. And, and trying to understand what it was that the well, what it is, because there's still a lot of it around, postmodern movement was promoting and, and concluding why it is I still believed that declaration of the gospel or the proclamation of the truth, or somebody else has said, we, we, we're not chefs in the kitchen. Mm. We're just waiters. God has uh, determined what should be on the plate. We just need to deliver sure. it. And so that's where I concluded. And, and, and I think even going further in, in my next area of study, uh, I, I have felt, and I still feel this, that we live in a world where God, and you've, you've heard me use this word, has been domesticated. Hmm. People think too small of God. Yeah. And so in my doctoral thesis, I wanted to explore uh, how we could better. And I think John Piper really was one who uh, stimulated my thinking how can we better preach the glory of God? How can mm. we include God more? And, and how can, I mean, even that sounds wrong. God should be at the center of our preaching and not man. Sure. 
You know, I've 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 been reading a lot, um, especially with even some of, some of the things that are happening over in the states. Um, and I've seen a lot of people asking the question, you know, do we still have good preachers out there? Um, and even just listening to you now, maybe I can ask you the question: Do you, do you think um, that we still have good preachers today? Because um, I mean, sometimes you hear people, you know, always talking about: Will there ever be another Spurgeon? Will there ever be another Martin Lloyd Jones? <laughs> Martin Lloyd Jones. <laughs> oh man, um, will there be another Piper or these? I like that question, Joby, <laughs> because I I think there's a big mistake in us thinking that we always. Uh, must have the big names. Yeah. I think God does raise up exceptional people uh, in his own time and for his own purposes. But I want to encourage anybody who wants to be a preacher, uh, God uses the ordinary person. Sure. Let's not forget that even Spurgeon himself was converted uh, in a little primitive church, Methodist church, where he says the God didn't even know how to preach but he repeated the passage, and the Lord used that. Um, so I, I'm all for uh, promoting ordinary preachers. Sure. Uh, and, but let me take that a step further. I, I think they are good preachers. It, it, the fact that somebody is not a well-known Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, or even a, um, a Charles Hatton Spurgeon or a John Piper or a Mark Diva or a John MacArthur it doesn't mean that they're not good preachers. I think in our own fraternal, I've been very encouraged to hear the young guys. Mm. A guy like from Pretoria North, Jacques, standing up. He's a young mm. bloke and he preaches. He opens up the scriptures. He's accurate to the text. He, he's, mm. he honors the Lord. Mm. He applies it well. And uh, I think we've got the guys. Mm. Uh, Jabu, I, I think you're one of them, brother. You know? So... Um, Definitely. I, let's not always think that everybody has to be a celebrity or in the limelight. Sure. Uh, God gifts uh, men with a gift of preaching. And most of us, most of us will end up preaching in churches that have 100 members or 200 members uh, or maybe 300 members. But very few people end up in these mega churches. Uh, I don't think that ought to be our goal. Let's not despise small things. Hmm. Also, do you still get nervous when you stand up to preach there on Sunday? I do, I do, but in a different way. Um, if I'm preaching in, in our familiar context, I'm, I'm not sort of, I don't have the butterflies uh, <laughs> out of formation in, in, in my stomach. But there is that sense of uh, an awareness of the task before me. Mm. So I would hate to get to a place sure. and pray that the Lord would keep me from that, where that one could just saunter, as it were, in and out of the pulpit. Mm. I do find, and it's, I guess, my personality as well, when I'm in an, a different place. If I'm, if I'm invited to another church and I don't know the people, hey, then, <laughs> then I'm very, very yeah, yeah, nervous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The hardest crowds have you found to preach to? My, my response would not be old people or young people or a particular generation, but people who are cold mm. toward God. Sure. I think I've preached in a situation where there are young people, but where they're hungry for the word of God. In fact, I would say this. Some people say that preaching is a monologue. I don't believe that. 
uh, I, I think there's a dialogue that happens in the course of preaching. Mm. So for me, there's nothing worse than preaching when you've got a, a bunch of people sit in front of you who are not in dialogue with you. And sure. they, they're just blank or they're switched off and, and they're enduring. Uh, that to me is difficult. I, I, mm. I, I find that when there's response, and I'm talking uh, visual response, you can mm. see it in people's eyes, you can see it in their faces, you know, mm. they're hungry for the word. Yeah. Man, then that fires me up to preach. <laughs> but yes, if there isn't that, then I want to go home. One of our elders, uh, Tim, he sometimes gives a, an amen. I find yeah. that encouragement yeah. when, you know, when, when you're preaching and, and it's just a little bit of feedback, sure. right? Yeah. Sure. So. Well, maybe another question here. Um, and this question comes from um, just some time hosting. So um, I remember hosting with Tuvila and she would, she would share about we have this group of friends around and you know she's spending so much time in the kitchen and she just hears people are laughing in the lounge and there's a sense of FOMO, you know, I want to be with the people, but you know I'm, I'm waiting on them and um, every time I'm just catching snippets of the conversations. Um, and a lot of times it's... it's some say it's like that for the preacher. You're spending so much time, you know, preparing the sermon that you're not spending a lot of time sitting around the table with people, you know, doing ministry, seeing people. Um, how would you say that's, that that experience is for you? Um, has the time uh, for prep taken away from your time with people? No, I don't think so. Again, it, it has varied. Mm. You know, when I was a solo pastor at Scottsville, I did everything. You know, you sure. have to visit, you do the hospitals, you do the counseling, you do the preaching. And not just once, but twice on a Sunday, you do the Bible study. And, you know, so, so seasons change. Uh, John Stott has a book. Uh, if I remember the title correctly, it's, uh, it's called Between Two Worlds. I don't know mm. If you guys have come across that book. And uh, just think about that picture of between two worlds, and I believe that. Uh, I, in fact, I'm convinced, whether it be youth ministry or uh, pastoral ministry in a local church, relationships with people mm -hmm. and the Word of God. That's what we do. So let's get to know our constituency mm. and get them to trust us. Uh, the itinerant preacher has a different role. He comes in and he can be very dramatic and all the rest of it. But those people who come week by week and you get to know them and you walk a road with them uh, through uh, illness or death or the joys of new birth and family, mm. uh, I think it's essential. So sure. even at this stage of my life, I, I still make a point of uh, staying in touch with people. I don't mm. want to be preaching in a congregation where I don't know the people. Sure. Uh, because not only knowing them and having a history with them, but as you move around, you pick up needs you pick up theological uh, flaws you know areas where people need to be taught mm. you pick up needs that people questions people are asking just in the course of conversation mm. so I, I i think the way i split my time normally when it wasn't covered anyway i would normally do preparation in the mornings mm. and afternoons is normally visiting with people and seeing people and at central evenings have been more meetings mm. kind of thing and visits on, on occasion. But that, of sure. course, through COVID has been yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah. So, Pastor, let me just change things a little bit, being from the preacher mm. to, to someone who is listening, right? So what are some good tips for good listening? Um, 
Don't ask people what they think about the church. <laughs> you know, that will always end up in a long discussion of, uh, of criticism and unhappiness. And, and so uh, I, I tried to avoid that question. I think uh, showing an interest in people. I think personally, I find it very disturbing when somebody asks me a question and then even in their body language show me that they're not really interested in my answer and they're thinking about something else. So I do try and, and show people that I'm interested in them. Hmm. Uh, body language is important. I think eye contact is important. And uh, th there's a balance. You don't want to overstay in visits in, in our contact with people, but I think that we want to make these visits meaningful. Um, most people I've discovered want to be heard. Mm. Often someone will say to me, I don't know what I'm going to say to someone if I go visiting. Well, there are just a few key questions. You can always ask people about their family. Mm. Uh, when people have children or grandchildren, it's a topic that you can speak <laughs> about. And, you know, to use those uh, as opportunities to get to uh, ask uh, more serious questions. So, so I like that um, passage in 3 John, and I often use it. I often use it with people uh, where John prays for his friend Gaius, and he prays that all would be well with him physically as all goes well with your soul. Mm. And then I would use that as, a, as an opportunity to say, well, we ought to be concerned about each other. In, uh, how are you doing in your soul, your walk with the Lord? Mm. And then listen, you, you know... Uh, Tendency is to talk a lot. I think maybe I have that problem. Uh, force ourselves to listen. Yeah. Talking about listening, at this in this season that you're in right now, um, in terms of preachers, who do you often listen to? I change from time to time. Uh, I am listening quite a bit at the moment to David Platt uh, from Radical. He's a young guy. It seems to me that he's very in touch with uh, people in his communication skills. Uh, I think he's sound theologically, but he connects. He really connects well. So I like listening to David uh, Platt on a run. I, I, I often will pick a sermon from him. I've gone through different seasons. I used to listen a lot to John Piper, but more recently I haven't. And it's nothing negative. It's just that... Uh, my wife, in fact, again, is my teacher here. Uh, <laughs> in the days of listening to Al Martin, she warned me. She said, be careful that you only listen to one guy. Hmm. Um, Alistair Begg would be another person I've been listen listening to more recently. Again, I listened many years ago, and then I stopped. And now, again, I've just found, found that he's helpful. I uh, also like Al Mola. I like his uh, thinking and, and even the way he presents things. Um, so those, those are really the guys I listen to at the moment. I listen to all of you when you preach, and I'm not here, <laughs> by the way. So on the podcast, uh, I, I, I listen. I like to listen to our own guys preaching. Uh, in a South African context, I've listened to guys like Mark Penrith, hmm. uh, Clinton Stone. I think you, I've mentioned him a few times to you guys. I've listened to him. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's it. Hmm. 
I think keeping it on listening, and this is probably heading towards a close. Um, when when you are sitting now as a listener, not as a preacher, um, what are what are some good tips for a just an ordinary person coming into a church to listen to um, some sound biblical preaching? Uh, what are some tips you would give to the listener? What is God saying to me? Hmm. It's a big challenge for us as preachers to sit and listen to others. And and the danger is we're critting. Hmm. You know, I would do it like that. Uh, I wouldn't have done that. Or There's an illustration. And so I try and remind myself, regardless of who I'm listening to, is what is it that God is saying to me? Hmm. Rather than trying to be uh, criticizing or analyzing uh, uh, the structure of course, we need to be discerning. You know, if somebody starts speaking uh, a lot of rubbish, uh, <laughs> we, but then we pick that up because mm. we, we, we understand a, a theological foundation. But I, I think as, as Christians generally, if we came to church on a Sunday with that attitude, Lord, what is it that you're saying to me today? Mm. Because the other danger is uh, we hear a sermon, and, and I often hear this from people, Man, that was a great sermon. I'm just so sorry so-and-so wasn't here. And, <laughs> you know, no, no. What, what is God saying to you? That's, mm. that's the important thing. What's he saying to me? Uh, because yeah, isn't so. that what we want from preaching? Yeah. Is uh, This is the word of God, um, and I need to be hearing from God. Mm. Yeah. So, Pastor, last one. What's your encouragement for young preachers today? I would encourage young preachers to listen to good uh, role models of preaching. Um, if I was involved in the training of students, that's what I would do, is I would send young students out and, and say, go and listen to these different people and come away from that asking, what is it that this person is doing that works, that's right? And you'll see different things in different personalities. And you, you don't want to mimic somebody else and be something you're not. But you can learn. We can learn from others. So that definitely, I think, listening to others. In fact, theological colleges, I think we should be doing much more of that. Put the role models up there. We have all these guys available online today and see how we can glean and learn from them. Um, I think you've got to find somebody who can be honest with you as a preacher. My wife is honest with mm. me. You, otherwise, people just pat you on the back and they stroke you and you never learn. Sure. So find somebody who's prepared to be honest with you about your preaching. I've had that in the two churches I've been at as a pastor. People I respect and I can take a punch from them. Mm. Um, I think there's, there's help in that. Um, at the beginning, we asked about theology. I don't think you can be a good preacher if you don't have good theology. Mm. Uh, we, we must move away from simply wanting to be motivational speakers. We want to be those who speak the oracles of God. Mm. Um, that's what I would urge young guys in. Sure. Well, there's an expression that the young people always say. 
give them their flowers while they're still alive. Um, and that expression is we usually appreciate and say nice things about people only once they've passed. Um, and even as we close, just want to just share our appreciation for you, Pastor Charles, and just for how the Lord has really worked through you, um, has really kept you humble, um, kept you sound in the scriptures. And um, if anything, I've just seen a great desire to be an instrument in the hand of the Redeemer, wanting to just be a herald of the words of the King to his people. So we appreciate you and we definitely thank God for you here at Central. Amen. It's a great vocation. That's the wrong word. It's a great calling. There isn't anything like when a sermon goes well, isn't it? You feel like you're flying, you're yeah. soaring. Yeah. But on the opposite end of the spectrum, sometimes it feels like... <laughs> <laughs> I think I said it earlier on. Every word is one word too much and I want to run away. Yeah. And uh, But no, preaching is a wonderful privilege and uh, blessing, I think, to be able to to be paid it's my job <laughs> i love it yes to do that yeah. and thanks for joining us pastor thank you uh, i hope that this has been helpful for all the listeners and even aspiring preachers out there uh, we pray that this has been a helpful conversation just yeah. regarding preaching even as we come to a close if you want to listen to some of his sermons go to uh, Central uh, Central Baptist Church website or even go to our um, our podcast. Go just search for Central Baptist Church um, and you'll find all his sermons there um, and you'll know what we are raving about. It's just the Lord at work in his life. So thank you for joining us. Um, our next topic, we move back to two episodes of A Christian Worldview um, and then we go into uh, talking about the culture of the day. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining the Theology Alive podcast. Please subscribe and share. Later. Later.